ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles. It is in Los Angeles, yes? Yes. <laughs> That's what I assumed. I knew it was Cali. Uh, this week we are doing the 1967 contemporary <laughs> film, <laughs> The Graduate. Yes. One hour, 45 minute, well, say 46 minute playing time. Okay. Or <laughs> do you have a stop clock? Are you like, and go? I don't. I look at the time when I first start the movie. Oh. I see. Very scientific. <laughs> I do research. <laughs> and carry the one that's. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Mm. And Aaron is going to give us the particulars. All right, let's see the particulars. So, as we said, contemporary film, 1967, directed by one Mike Nichols. Yes. This, we we did his first film, didn't we? Oh, wait. Which was? Did we not? <laughs> All morning I've been under the assumption that we've done... Uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? We have not. No, we did count on a hot tin roof. Yes. Ah, I frequently confuse those two films. Well, two bitchy women. And it's the same woman. Well, that's true. It's Elizabeth Taylor being a bitch. So I'm like, <laughs> who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? No. Cat on a hot tin roof. Yes. All right. So well, this is our first Mike Nichols. Then it is. I thought it was our second. So Mike Nichols' first film was the aforementioned... Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Now, Mike Nichols, he is, he's, he's one of the big times. He's up there, people. He was, had a big comedy thing with Elaine May. It was Nichols and May. He's done a lot of stuff on Broadway. So this is his second film, The Graduate. He also did, I mean, listen to these movies. He, and this is only a part of them. Working Girl, Postcards from the Edge, The Birdcage. Primary Colors, Closer, like this guy. Did he do Catch-22? Uh, yeah, I said, did yeah, I not I say Catch-22? Oh, yeah, Catch-22 as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, that's a great book. <laughs> it's very, very, I find it very amusing. Uh, Probably it's, apropos of our current time, yes? It's apropos of every time. <laughs> That's what's we'll so amusing it about it. I I like the book better than I like the movie. Okay. Um. It Buck, usually happens. Yeah, it was written by Buck Henry, who also yes. did the adaptation of Catch Twenty Two. He also wrote What's Up Doc. Uh, he wrote Heaven Can Wait. He hosted Saturday Night Live twelve times from nineteen seventy six to nineteen eighty. He used to always be the um, the the first person of the season. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, funny dude. He's also in it. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. And, and this other guy is credited as writing it, uh, Calder Willingham. He wrote Paths of Glory, One Eyed Jacks, Little Big Man. Uh, some interesting trivia on this guy, David Lean. He David Lean didn't like him. So he didn't let him work on the bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, it's like I don't like I don't like the cut of your jib. Get back. 
And then he got, so he turned in a script. Mike Nichols liked the Buck Henry script better, but this guy was mad. And so through arbitration, that's how he got a credit. And Mike Mm. Nichols and Buck Henry were always kind of irritated by that. Yeah, I'll bet. It's based on the novel by Charles Webb. It is a Bildungsroman. That's a German word that I have butchered. Which um, the literal translation is Bildungs is... uh, Well, I didn't write that down. So anyway, it means coming of age story. Oh, yes. It's definitely a coming Uh of age story. Yes. So most of the dialogue actually comes directly from the book. Um, He wrote a sequel called Homeschool, but he couldn't publish it in its entirety because the French film studio Canal owned the rights. They they, uh, acquired the rights to the film The Graduate, and therefore they acquired... When he sold the script... I think he sold it for like $20,000. But in it, he gave up all rights to any future sequels. And so he wrote the story, but he he could only publish it in parts because if he published it, then Canal could make a film without his permission because they basically own the film rights. But then it later it was published in 2007. So somehow he was able to get his the rights back. I think you know law, lawyer stuff, lawsuits. Um, but then I okay. So this is Wikipedia. So what I'm about to say might not be true at all. But I found Disclaimer. it so like fascinating that I had to include it. I had to bring this to the show. This guy, we're ta- so we're talking about um, the uh, Charles Webb. So, very interesting character, and he has been married for a long time to his wife Eve, who shaved her head and started calling herself Fred, in wow. solidarity with a California support group for men with low self-esteem. Wow. I think, though, this was after, again, this is Wikipedia, so I was like, wait, I had to do a lot of scrolling up and scrolling down looking at dates because he, it said that he wasn't able to write a lot because he was taking care of Fred. And I was like, wait, who the hell is Fred? Because Fred um, had, suffers from, like, severe debilitating depression and had a psych psychotic break i think Uh in 2001 so yeah there's this guy's got a lot on his plate we'll just let's just say that for his uh his i guess wife or significant other so he's not really doing a whole lot of writing but nevertheless like i said somehow homeschool it's there so i guess that's the sequel to the film but never made well, I don't know. I mean, okay. I got to the part about Fred and the shaved head and the <laughs> crippling depression. And I was just like, well, this guy's got a lot of drama in his life. All right. Okay. Yeah. That, that book might be, hey, it might be one of those books that they read and they're like, wow, this is all. He also, they, they like left at some point they raised their kids to, to in like a nudist colony 
and they pulled their kids out of school to homeschool them and then the book was called homeschool so i'm like i'm guessing that the ki- like benjamin and elaine like the train goes completely off the tracks in homeschool if i had to guess <laughs> Well, yeah. I'll just take a wild stab at it. And really, that's not your first clue. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So it stars Anne Bancroft. She was also in The Miracle Worker, The Elephant Man. She was an extra in Blazing Saddles. So we've already seen Anne Bancroft. Yeah, and I don't remember her in Blazing Saddles. It's because, well, she was in, um, I think, the church scene. She's quite a serious actress, married to Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks! So she had to have a, a bit of a funny bone. Well, she's really the reason that we have the producers and um, another project that I didn't write down in my notes. She was really like, hey, Mel, you need this is what you need to do. And Bancroft. She was probably hysterically funny. She had to be. Probably, probably a lost comic gem. Well, she was hysterical in this film uh, without ever cracking a smile. Yes. And Dustin Hoffman, who, I mean, this guy, he's been around forever. (laughs) When I said this guy, it kind of sounded like Rain Man, didn't I? This guy, Wapner. Um, He was in Rain Man, Midnight Cowboy, Little Big Man, All the President's Men, Marathon Man, Tootsie. Uh, the Graduate is his breakout role. It was. And there's also Catherine Ross, who, listen to these films. She's in The Graduate. She's in Butch Cassidy and a Sundance Kid, and she's in The Stepford Wives. Mm-hmm. You would have thought this, that, I mean, that's that's foundational in your, I, I, basically what I'm trying to say is I thought, I'm, thought she could have been a bigger deal. I wonder if that was her choice, because at this point, with this and then Butch Cassidy, she was a pretty um, big deal. I mean, she's a big deal. So yeah. who knows? Maybe the music is by some guy. I don't know. Paul Simon. Does anybody know who that is? I knew every word to every song that was played. I I wore out my Simon and Garfunkel albums. Oh, man. I mean... Great, great I, stuff. The man, the man. I went to see him a couple of weeks ago at the Hollywood Bowl. The man still got it. Gr- fantastic. It's crazy because I, I never, I, I, I went through a bit of a Simon and Garfunkel phase, but that was the same phase when I was into the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Motown and all that stuff. But man, that guy, I know a lot of his songs. Yeah. Well. <laughs> You're my daughter. So. I was like, man, how do I know the words? To, how do I know this melody? Because I don't really, I can't retain words, but I can like hum along to a melody real good. That was me at the concert. They were, they were poets. They were. Oh, I think so he good. would say he was the poet. I don't really see Garfunkel out there touring the Hollywood Bowl. I so um. Did Paul Simon do the lyrics? I'm pretty sure that Paul Simon pretty much wrote everything. Did and Art everything. Garfunkel it, just swooped in with his voice. His yeah, little angelic it, voice. Yeah. To make the duo perfect. Yeah. Shouts out to Evan requesting Bridge Over Troubled Water. It was, we, were, we both were in on the joke. We both knew that Garfunkel sings it. So it probably wasn't getting played. 
<laughs> but it, it well, was it was our it was our free bird. Shout out to Evan for taking you to that concert. Shout out to the Goldsteins. Shout out to the Goldsteins and Evan, who actually are one of our very few listeners. <laughs> yes. And my favorite part of the film is the cinematography. So the cinematography is by Robert Surtees. He also did The Bad and the Beautiful, which I want to do at some point. It's black oh, and white okay. film. Ben-Hur, The Last Picture Show, and The Sting. I mean, these are just some oh, of just some of the films that this man has shot. Wow. Well, yeah. So there okay. are the particulars. Well, it starts with a young Dustin Hoffman um, in an airplane. And I thought he was in the seats were so big. I thought sure he was in first class. What he was in back in 67 is what first class is now. There were just three of them. But also there was like, what, 25 people on the plane? Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets off the plane and he's on, what is that called? That like, like a flat escalator. It's like a A people people mover. mover. And the sounds of silence is playing, and he he just has a blank expression on his face as he's writing that to the baggage claim. Mm-hmm. Um, he smile he smiles when he exits, oh, because he sees somebody he knows is picking him up, I guess. And then the next shot is him sitting in front of an aquarium, just staring in an aquarium. Yeah. And his parents come in and say, there are guests downstairs, and he just wants to be alone. Yeah, he's he's depressed. He's depressed. I mean, we're all reading about it now, and I'm like, ooh, warning signs. We need to check. Somebody needs to check on this guy. Well, his parents are not in tune with him at all. They're quite in tune with the cocktail party they have going downstairs that is honoring him for graduating with with an award that is supposed to then send him on to his master's degree. Now, the first time I saw this film was years ago when I, I don't think I was, I had not graduated college yet myself. So that's when I saw it the first time. And I had not been to Los Angeles. Now seeing it in Los Angeles, and I see his house, I'm like, oh, my God. It registered to me how rich these people are. Yeah. The first time it didn't, I was just like, oh, eh, I didn't realize it. It's like now upon watching, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy's rich. Yeah. The Alfa Romeo wasn't your first clue. No, that went over my head the first time. A lot of the stuff Um, went over. You know what? I'll be honest right here. I'll say it. The first time that I saw this film, I remember ending it and going, huh, so that's mm-hmm. the graduate. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know what I was expecting because everyone said, like, I knew how much, how, what is it, groundbreaking, I guess, the all the references, the Mrs. Robinson, the song, Are You Trying to Seduce Me? And that it was hilarious, people said. And I, well, I finished it, and I was like, I didn't laugh once. And it was a real, like, huh, huh. 
Well, the first time I saw it was 1967. So I was a sophomore in high school. Ah. And, and it was just, a, yeah, I mean, it was cool to see California and it was a film and, oh, that was cool at the end. Seeing it now as a 66-year-old person, I laughed out loud several times. I did laugh a few more times seeing it now this time. But you know what changed? And I, I guess we'll get into it later. But my my sympathies changed. Mm. I, yeah. So, all right. Anyways. So, yes. Okay, he, so he's depressed. And... Finally, his father comes in and goes, you know, what's the deal? What's what's the deal? And his father was, oh, see, this is his a reference. His father that, is in, in uh, Boy Meets World. Oh, okay. Because he was also the senior surgeon in St. Elsewhere. But who's going to remember that except me and oh. a few other people? Okay, I do so. remember when I, when uh, you coming into the room when Boy Meets World is on going, oh, my God. That's the senior surgeon from St. Elsewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, now he's like the basically the villain of this kid show. It, but his speech, his speech pattern was so distinctive. It's exactly the same. And it's like, yes, very prim and proper. And, and it just drips money. Mm-hmm. So so Dustin's Benjamin in the film, he's just I, I just well, I'm I'm worried about my future. And the father's like, oh, what does that mean? And he says, I don't know. I just want my future to be different. Different from what he has grown up with. I'm like, oh, and <laughs> me now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what do you mean different from what? Like, different from what you have now. I'm looking at different from what you have now. Okay, so he was, the party was in his honor. He was an award-winning scholar. His graduation gift was an Alfa Romeo spider. Um, Uh, Hold on, people. Let that sink in. His graduation gift was an Alfa Romeo spider. Probably a 1967 one. Pretty cool car. Red. Convertible. Yeah. Rest in peace, our Alfa Romeo. Big ups. Um, and he just wants out of the party. He just doesn't want to be in this party. And a lot of the shots are just his face with absolutely no expression. Mm-hmm. Lots of close-ups. He's just blank. So then people are always saying, what are you going to do with your future? And Mr. McGuire comes and takes him aside. This is one of the quotes that's often... Oh, yeah. Uh, quoted. Um, just remember, just remember I, this I got, one word. I got, I got, I got one word for you. I got one word for you. Just remember this one word. I got one word for you. One word for you. Because he repeats it over and over again. And you're like, what's the one word? Plastics. With plastics. <laughs> True. Yeah. Great future in plastics. He's like, this man ain't lying. Well, I was doing a POC count. I had zero. Oh, well, I thought that I might have seen one in the back of the plane, but it could have not been. It could have just been shadow. Ah. So I. Well, there weren't any serving at this party. No, there were not. That I saw. No. Well, he finally runs away upstairs, which is our first look at Mrs. Robinson. 
She's sitting in a chair smoking and she watches him run upstairs. And it looks like he's having a panic attack. Yeah. And he's looking out the upstairs window at the party. And then he goes back to just staring at his aquarium. At which point Mrs. Robinson comes into his room and says she's looking for the bathroom. No, she wasn't. No. And she, and he goes, I, I don't mean to be rude. You know, the bathroom's down the hall and she doesn't leave. And I, I don't mean to be rude. She sits down and starts smoking on his bed. Mm-hmm. She's Mrs. Robinson. And she, and she goes, is it a girl? It what Whatever's upsetting you? And he says, just things in general. And she says, will you drive me home? Oh, wait, 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 wait. She, she does the, mo- the most, my favorite Mrs. Robinson move of the film. She's sitting on the bed and she asks him if he has an ashtray. And he doesn't even, I don't even think he answers. And she goes, oh, yeah, right, the track star. You don't even smoke. And she just taps her ashes on his bed. <laughs> At which point he hands his, his waste paper basket to her. Well, he, he, he doesn't hand it to her. He brings the waste paper basket and, like, picks up the ashes off the bed and puts it in there. And it's like, I, you know, what the... Like, he doesn't say what the hell, lady, but he's just kind of, um, you know, get to stepping. Kick rocks. And he really wants nothing to do with her, and he doesn't want to leave his room. Mm-hmm. And so he throws his keys at her. Just take my car. I mean, this is his... Alfa Romeo spider. Yeah. But oh, obviously but then, he doesn't care. But then she just stares at him and, sh- and he asks, oh, you don't know how to work a foreign transmission? And she says, no, I don't, rich guy. So he says, let's go. And she throws the keys back into the aquarium. Yes. Now, does she mean to throw them into the aquarium or does she throw like a girl? Oh, no. Uh, she knows every step of what she's doing. So, she's holding on to her hair because she has the cloth. And, and the spider is, of course, a, a convertible. And he's driving fast because he gives zero fucks. Yeah. And, you know, if he gets pulled over, what's going to happen? They probably know him and be like, ah, Benjamin, you get out of here. And he's, they, the cops will tussle his hair. Yeah. Good old Benjamin. Heard you run an, won an award, track star. Yeah, won no, an really. award, you whack star. <laughs> you, you look at him and it's like, what track did he run? Okay. So they arrive and she just sits in the car. And he, he realizes, oh, shit, she wants me to open her fucking door. This so lady. He goes around, opens the door, and she goes, um, and then he realizes he has to walk her to the door. So they get to the door, and she says, will you come in till I get the lights on? I hate to go into a dark room. Now, now, time out, time out. I know that you're going to say she knows exactly what she's doing. But may I just point out that maybe Mrs. Robinson is up on her true crime and therefore knows that people be breaking into houses, waiting for women to come home and attacking them. I'm not mad at Mrs. Robinson and this move right here. Well, he, Benjamin is. Benjamin He's- can be, but like, like we always say from another podcast that they always say, fuck politeness. That's true. 
So he's reluctant. And then she goes, he's, she's in the house. The lights are on. And she goes, walk me to the porch. Again, I'm not mad at this. <laughs> These streets goes, out here. He goes, but, but the lights are on. <laughs> she, it doesn't matter. Ben, and, you, you all aren't going to know. But in 50 years... All of this stuff is going to come to light of all of these serial killers who come in and lie in wait in houses. And then who's going to be a fool? Not Mrs. Robinson. Oh, no, you cannot call her a fool. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a stocked bar on the porch. So she says, what do you drink? And he says, look, Mrs. Robinson, I drove you home. I was happy to do it. But I have some things on my mind. Can you understand that? And she says, yes, I understand that. What do you drink? And so he huffs and puffs. And she goes, I don't want to be left alone in this house. Please wait until my husband comes home. Again, not mad at this at all. I know this isn't her motivation, but me watching it, I'm like, you go, Mrs. Robinson. I understood. I understand where you could be coming from, and therefore, I'm going to watch this whole film with this in mind and see how it changes. Okay. How'd that, how'd that work out for you? Well, I, like, forgot that that's what I was doing right after this scene. <laughs> so he goes, just lock the doors and go to bed. And... um so then she she is so manipulative. Well, Benjamin, what do you think of me? Do you think I'm a nice person? And she goes on and on, manipulating, manipulating. And she goes, did you know I'm an alcoholic? And really? Goes, this, I missed that. <laughs> she goes, this, this conversation is strange. He was so good at being such a flummoxed. Oh, very nebbish. angst. Yeah, very angst. Wait, oh my God. wait, she says that she's an alcoholic? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I must have been replay. I must have been in my head doing the whole, sh- how yeah. she's a trend-setting true crime you were. woman. But oh. in truth, I had to rewind it because it was really quick. And I went back to, to catch what she had said. Because she said, I'm a, and I didn't catch it at first. So anyway. Oh. When you watch it, she says, I'm an alcoholic, people. And and then he realizes, oh, my God, this is a cougar, and she wants to go to bed with me. And he goes, oh, my God, you didn't, you didn't expect. At this point, she puts her leg up on the next bar stool so that you can see her stocking top, and you can see that she has a garter belt on, and you can see whatever else you want to see. Yes, at this point, okay, well, well, now she is trying to seduce him. This is, she's not being all into, like, into her safety. She's, yeah. this is, yeah. yeah, this is seduction right here. Yeah, this is seduction. And he goes, Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. And she goes, oh, no, I feel flattered. Who, oh, me? me? Whatever are you thinking? You mean so this then garter he gets back belt? in his head. What? <laughs> and he's going, oh, my God, forgive me. Forgive me. I misread the situation. Please. Um, it makes me sick that I even <laughs> thought that, that I said that to you. Please forget that he I ever like said that. He looks like he's going to throw up. 
And she goes, um, you know, Elaine, my daughter, you haven't seen her in years. Would you like to see her portrait? Yeah, we had her portrait done at Christmas. I was, I'm like, oh, these people are super rich. They are so rich. They don't even take pictures. They have people paint. Man. Yeah. And Elaine is the aforementioned Catherine Ross. So the portrait happens to be in Catherine Ross's, Elaine's bedroom. I mean, man, this Mrs. Robinson's got game. Well, he's so happy to have the conversation off of, oh, my God, you want me to go to bed with you, that he goes, sure, 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 let's look at the portrait. So it's in her room, and she's standing on the other side of the bed. She starts dropping her jewelry on Elaine's bed. Yeah, she's like, let me take off this super expensive watch. Let me take off these jewels from my wrist. And come and unzip my dress, will you? I'm about to get more comfortable. And he goes, I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, what are you scared of? And, and Everything that's under that dress. <laughs> and he said, well, no, no, no. And she goes, why do you keep running away? <laughs> Um, she goes, I'm twice as old as you. Would you like me to seduce you? Is that what you think is happening here? So would you like that to happen? Well, what a way to turn it around. Oh. So he just walks away. So she goes into her bedroom and she says, Benjamin, bring up my purse for me, will you? <laughs> he says, no. Wait, she won't. She goes into her room. She's a, she doesn't have her top on. She's only got her bra on. and so which, which was... Leopard print. Yeah. And so she doesn't want to go down. It's her house, but she doesn't want to go downstairs because she doesn't have any clothes on, she says. So she says, Benjamin, go down and get my my purse for me because I don't have any clothes on. So he goes, um, first, no. Then, Benjamin, come on, just bring me my purse. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the steps. Benjamin, what are you afraid of? Bring me my purse. Well, I'll hand it to you through the rail. <laughs> Finally, he goes, uh, she goes, oh, just put it in Elaine's room if you're so afraid of me. So he walks in there and she is naked. Well, he, he walks in to put it on and she, being the cougar she is, does a jump move, comes into the, the room and basically locks it. Yeah. All the while telling him she's not trying to seduce him. And, I don't, and, hey, I don't understand what you're doing here. Since it's on his mind, maybe he wants her to, so maybe yeah. he, she will. You know, she she sounds a lot like someone I think we all know. <laughs> the, playing the old, what? I'm not doing anything. No. No, it's you that you want. No, there's nothing to see here. What are you talking about? I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything wrong. It's you. Ah, Whew. first I thought she was talking about me. No, 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 uh, no. Okay, so. The manipulation games. Yeah. She goes, well, I just want you to know, Benjamin, as she's standing here fully naked, I'm available to you. And there's if quick you, inner cuts, like in Fight Club, where it's just a frame of like her boob and stuff. <laughs> if you won't sleep with me this time, uh, I want you to call me anytime. And he's going, just let me out of here. And he runs out. Uh, he starts to run down the steps and he hears a car. And he's going, oh, my God, it's your husband. It's Mr. Robinson. What's he going to think? <laughs> so he, he starts sweating bullets. 
He is sweating so profusely. He runs into the patio because his drink is there. And he's, you know, he he knows he's not going to make. So he's just sitting there with the drink. Mr. Robinson comes in. Mr. Robinson said, hey, honey, is that Ben's car in the, in the, in the driveway? And Ben says, I drove her home and I've got to go. Yeah, I, Ben is trying so hard to get out of there so fast. <laughs> And Mr. Robinson says, oh, you look shaken up, son. <laughs> He's shook. <laughs> he goes, it's just my future. I'm a little worried about my future. And Mr. Robinson said, hey, son, let's have a nightcap. Yeah. And his, it, Mr. Robinson's whole thing with Benjamin is always asking him, so what do you drink? Because they have bourbon and scotch. And Ben always says he drinks bourbon. But Mr. Robinson always pours him scotch. Which is probably the reason why Mrs. Robinson is <laughs> always is seducing Ben. Yeah. Yeah, because Mr. Yeah. Robinson obviously doesn't pay attention to anyone but Mr. Robinson. At this point, he asks, how old are you? Because let's remember, there is an age limit for alcohol consumption. Was there always? Because I felt like in the 60s uh, that didn't exist. Oh. I didn't say marijuana consumption. I said alcohol consumption. There was always, yeah, you always had to be 21. For alcohol. Eight, yeah, 18 to drink like 2% beer or something. Oh. But 21 to drink regular beer and alcohol. Well, oh, I, I kind of thought that that was something like that came in the 70s along with seatbelts. Like no. before it, it was like, hey, you just finished first grade. Here's some gin. That is not how I had my first gin. <laughs> Congratulations on passing first grade, kiddo. <laughs> it wasn't that wasn't very nice. <laughs> Are you alluding to the fact that I couldn't read in first grade? <laughs> no, you couldn't because I couldn't read in first grade, second grade. Third you learned how to grade. read in third grade. Right before you threw up on your teacher. No, I still couldn't read at that point. Okay. Okay, so he goes, I'm 20. I'll be 21 next week. Oh, that's a hell of a good age to be, Mr. Robinson says. I wish I was that age again. You'll never be young again. Profound, Mr. Robinson. Profound. Uh, so Mr. Robinson goes, how long have we known each other, Ben? Your dad and I have been partners how long? Well, well quite a while, Mr. Robinson. Oh, many ways. In many ways, you're you're like my own son. Oh, Ooh, awkward. Eesh. Your wife just tried to seduce me. Let me give you some advice. At this point, a door slams upstairs. And you hear footsteps coming down. And Ben is like, oh, I no. want out this, of here. This is so awkward. And Mr. Robinson's saying, I think you should take it easier. And she comes down fully dressed. And I think you should sow your wild oats. And she goes, oh, good advice. Uh, have yourself a few flings, at which point there's a close-up of Mrs. Robinson. So he's saying, Ari Ar Lane, she's coming back next week. So you give her a call, because I think you two should, you know, go out and have a good time together. More awkwardness. Yeah. Because now you're, like, your wife tried to seduce me, and now you're kind of, uh, what, pimping out your daughter to me? You just said I yeah. need to, like, have sow my wild oats, and then you're like, oh, by the way, my daughter's coming home. Why don't you uh, take her out for yeah. a spin? Take her out for a 
couple spins around that. Okay, the next scene, there's a pool party at Ben's house because it's a birthday party for Ben. He's 21 now. He can legally drink. Do the parties ever stop for Ben? I'm like, Ben. <laughs> ben, buddy. I mean, uh, this looks like a good life. It could be worse, Ben. It could be very you worse. You could be eating ramen noodles every night. Yeah, Ben. Okay, so they're, they're at the patio door. The patio door is closed with a curtain. And Mr. Ben, his father, is saying, are you ready, Ben? And Ben's going, can, Dad, can I speak to you? Uh, and, but, of course, no adults listen to him. Yeah. So he's going, uh, please, can we talk? Uh, I'd like to discuss this. And all the dad says is, you're disappointing all these people who came to your party, Ben. So they introduce Benjamin Braddock. And there's a picture of him head to toe in self-contained underwater breathing apparatus gear. Yes. Scuba gear. Scuba Like the, but the Jacques Cousteau scuba gear. And then the the cool part is then you are only seen through Ben's mask. And you hear like, and you hear like um, real muted conversations because he can't hear with all that on. And you hear him breathing. And all he's doing is walking out toward the pool. And you hear his breathing. You see his father talking to him, but you don't hear anything. And he jumps into the water, and he just stays underwater. Well, no, he jumps into the, he doesn't want to be at. He jumps in the water, and then he tries to go back up, but his parents push him back down, which I don't get. They, I know that they bought him the scuba gear, but why did they buy him the scuba gear? Is he going off to like scuba? Is that a thing, or is this like this is how rich these people are that they just figure, hey, scubaing sounds sounds kind of cool. Let's buy our son all this equipment and give it well, to him. Well, they got him a, an Alfa Romeo for graduation. And then the dad goes, wow, I hope this works. Because if not, I'm out $200. Which, so it was, yeah. yeah. Just something expensive to get him. Because what else are you going to get him? That, yeah, I don't know. So then he just sinks down and he's just sitting there at the bottom in his scuba gear in the pool. Breathing, breathing, breathing. See. Next scene, you hear a telephone ring. Mrs. Robinson picks it up, and you hear, hello? Uh, then you hear, uh, uh, I, I don't quite know how to put this, but I'm at the Taft Hotel. No, she he just stumbles, and Mrs. Robinson goes, Benjamin, is that you? And he's like, uh, yeah, where are you? And he says, the Taft Hotel. So she says... Do you have a room? And he says, no. And she says, get a room and give me an hour. So he is sweating like Aaron on the basketball court. Actually, at this point, though, he is just sweating like Aaron every day of her life. <laughs> every day in Southern California. Every day in Southern California. Just He's hyperventilating. So he, so you tell about him going to get a room. Oh, so well, he does. He okay. He go like he's gonna go get a room, and this is Buck Henry, the guy that wrote it. He's the desk clerk, and he sees him kind of hiding, and he says, "Um, sir, can, may I help you with something?" And he, Benjamin 
completely freaks out. He's like, oh, no. He says, well, would you like a room? And he says, no. And he says, are you here for uh, what is for it? An affair. For an affair. Yeah. And then, oh, Benjamin, like, what? No, what? huh? <laughs> no, an affair. And so he's like, oh, and he names some names. And so he says, oh, sure. So he walks across the lobby to the ballroom and he's greeted by this woman. And she's like, I forget what their names are. It's something waspy, though. Yeah, she's like, some- oh, we're the waspy name. And like and this is i'm me and and this is i don't know some other woman they were they were the two women from bewitched oh they were one was aunt clara who used to always end up in the fireplace because she never had her her stuff right and the other was the nosy neighbor from bewitched oh bewitched has nothing to do with this it was just trivia but yeah, it was there was some kind of a reception going on there for all rich white people. Yeah, and so he he meets everyone and they ask, "Oh, who, Braddock?" And so the woman was looking on the list, Braddock, Braddock, and he's like, "You're not gonna find it on there." And she's like, "Oh, go give me a second, I'll find it." And he's like, "No, this isn't. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not a guest." And then he walks back out of it, and everybody's so confused, like, "Who is this guy?" Like he he went really kind of far. Before he bailed. That's the thing about Benjamin. He, he yeah. kind of... He commits. He, but he, he, does, he doesn't commit. He doesn't commit. And then he's in too far. And then he has to be really awkward when he uncommits. Rather well, he's than awkward just about not, absolutely everything. Yeah. So he, he walks back out. He doesn't know what to do. I think then he's at the bar. Yeah. Did you see what he was drinking at the bar? No. Looked to me like it was a seven and seven. Oh... We only know because that's Poppy's drink. I see. So At then, which point, Mrs. Robinson appears. Yes, she appears in the reflection of the table. <laughs> the shots were so good. The shots are great in this. And she says, may I have a drink? Because he's not, you know, like thinking that. So he signals to the waiter who totally ignores him. <laughs> but she gets the attention of the waiter right away. And she says, uh, did you get a room? And he goes, no. And do you want me to get it, Benjamin? She calls him Benjamin. No, I'll well, go get it. Well, everybody calls him Benjamin. And he goes, well, can't we, can't we just talk? I mean, you know, we don't have to get a room. We can just sit here and talk, right? So she says, do you want me to get it? No. And she goes, he goes, now? You want me to go get it now? Yes, Benjamin. Go get the room. So then he has to go back to the same guy, Buck Henry, at the Well, desk. no, it's a different guy. So he goes up to him, and then the guy goes, oh, one second. And, oh, no, he, he goes up to the guy. The guy leaves. He waits. Buck Henry stands up for, like he was under the counter, you know, getting something. He's like, oh, hey, sir, welcome. I see you're going to decide to get a room. So then Benjamin's all awkward again because he had already had an awkward experience with this guy. So then he says, yes, I'd like to get a room. So he says, all right, well, a single or a double. And I think he says a single. And then he just has to um, sign in the registry. There was no, nobody asked for any identification or anything. It was 67. There's no, can we get a credit card to put on file? Nope. 
No, he just Just a minute, I'd have to go talk to Mrs. Robinson about that. (laughs) So he starts to sign um, the registration form, and he starts to sign his own name. So he takes that one off, puts it in his pocket, and then he signs Mr. Gladstone. And Buck Henry says, do you have any luggage? And he says, yes, I do. Of course I have luggage. (laughs) Why would I be here without luggage? And so Buck Henry says, well, I'll get a porter to get it for you. No, 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 no. I don't want to put anybody else. Yeah. (laughs) At which point he says, actually, all I have in the car is my toothbrush. Uh, So it's good. Don't worry about it. So um, would you like the porter to show you to your room? No, I've got it. So he goes to the bar and says, you know, it's kind of awkward for us to go together. And she says, you go. No, he doesn't go to the bar. He it goes back to to Mrs. Robinson. A telephone comes, sits down, like Mrs. Robinson. She's like, she says, yes, she picks up the phone. It's him. She says, look behind you through the, the wall. Do you see me? She sees him in a payphone booth. She says, yes, Benjamin, I see you. All right. And then Benjamin, in his awkwardness, lays it all out about how he has the key. And basically, Mrs. Robinson cuts through all his BS and just says, Benjamin, would you like us to go up separately? And she's like, yes, Mrs. Robinson. All right, Benjamin, you go up. I'll be up in five minutes. She's like, all right, Benjamin. Yes. Is there something you would like to tell me? Um... Oh, oh, yes, yes. Thank you for doing this, Mrs. Robinson. I really, really appreciate it. It's, I'm, I'll be I, writing a thank you note tomorrow. Yes, basically. And she's it's like, Benjamin. Yes, Mrs. Robinson. What's the room number? He's like, oh, oh. Tells him the room number. So he goes up to the room and he goes in the room and he doesn't know what to do in the room. He closes all the blinds. He turns on the lights then he turns them back off again. Uh, and there's a knock at the door. So she comes in and he, he fum, flum, fumbles with the do not disturb sign. And <laughs> he just plants a kiss on her, which is as because awkward as she just inhaled cigarette. She like took a drag for a cigarette and she and so she's just waiting to breathe again. Yes. <laughs> when the kiss stops, she's like she exhales the smoke. <laughs> at, at this point, if I was Mrs. Robinson, I was you'd be like, you know what? I'm <laughs> I'm throwing you back. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm sure my daughter, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get her yearbook. <laughs> and I'm gonna go through. I bet I could find someone better. And so she turns on the lights and um, he's so he just stands there. Wait. Yeah. Okay. So he just stands there and he says, I don't know what you want me to do. And she says, well, get me a hanger. And so he opens the closet. There are wire hangers and wood hangers. Oh, it was put on. No wire hangers. Do you want wire or wood? She says it doesn't matter. Now, her bra is an, another leopard print. She has something, some a giraffe print skirt on. Oh. I'll get to that in trivia. Oh, okay. So, uh, I wrote she's really into animal prints. <laughs> she, she's sitting down, and he just goes up and grabs a boob. <laughs> yeah, that did just, make me laugh. 
just grabs it. He doesn't know he's what to do. standing behind her, and he just, he doesn't really even grab it. He just puts his hand on it. <laughs> then he goes and knocks his head against the wall. Yeah, then he turns and walks away and starts banging his head on his wall. Again, at which point I would say to myself, oh my God, he's on the spectrum. What have I done? <laughs> Soon he will be playing Rain Man. Uh, and he's going, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so she goes, Benjamin, do, do you not find me attractive? And he goes, you're the most attractive of all my parents' friends. <laughs> and she goes, are you afraid of me? And he says, hey, can we go to a movie instead? <laughs> she goes, Benjamin, is, is this your first time? Well, that's a laugh. <laughs> What? Me? Whatever would give you that impression. So then in her total manipulation, she goes, Benjamin, I totally understand if you are inadequate and can't handle this. Because she knows he was a track star. He's not going to be called inadequate. So he slams something and goes, uh, let's get let's get this. Let's do this. <laughs> At which point there's a black screen and the sounds of silence comes on. Hello, darkness, my old friend. At which point he's floating in the pool. Yes. And he gets out of the pool, walks still wet from the pool, puts a white dress shirt on. And you're like, why is he doing what? A white dress shirt? Walks and it cuts to the Taft Hotel. Ah, I see. Transition. Where Mrs. Robbins is, is unbuttoning. Then it cuts to home where he's, his room must be by the parent, by the kitchen or something. Because he's sitting in a room, maybe a lounge, uh, a den or something. Yeah. And his parents are having breakfast or lunch and he goes and just shuts the door on them. All of this is symbolic, of course. Oh, he's such, he's so angst filled in his, what is his summertime of what's, he's just in the pool. And then he just goes and sees Mrs. Robinson at night at the Taft Hotel and all, it's just, that's all he does. He's on a loop. He's he's drinking beer in bed. I mean, he's living the life. The life. (laughs) It's another time with Mrs. Robinson. Close-ups of his face with no expression, but he has started smoking. Uh, well, Mrs. Robinson smokes like a chimney, so... That's, that's right. He, I wrote he's aimless. It's the pool, Mrs. Robinson, repeat. Yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> so this really cool thing happens. He jumps in the pool, and then he's jumping up onto the float, which cuts to him jumping up onto Mrs. Robinson... And he hears his dad saying, Ben, what are you doing? At which point he's back on the float. Yeah. And he's, are you going to graduate school? What was the point of four years of college? If you're like, you got me. (laughs) If you're not going to graduate school and he goes, yeah, you got me. So, uh, so the dad goes, okay, I understand a few weeks of just taken off and, you know, but it's time to start to get off your ass and do something. Oh, by the way, the Robinsons are here. Um, and the Robinsons come in. What have you been doing? Hello, Mrs. Robinson. 
So Mr. Robinson said, hey, Elaine's coming in town. Be sure and call her. Pimping his daughter out again. Yeah. And by this time, Mrs. Robinson has, have they already had like the, their conversation or not no. yet? Oh, okay. Not yet. So um, he's in, uh, Benjamin is in his bathroom shaving and it's all steamy. So mom comes in and he's trying to shave. And she says, what do you do when you go off at night? Because oh. you're gone from midnight until 12 the next day. So what do you do? You know, Ma, I just uh, drive around. I am not sleeping with your friend. If that <laughs> is what you are implying. Uh, so uh, now it's a dark room uh, back at the Traft Hotel. And he says... Could, could we just say a few words before we just jump right into it? Um, and she goes, why, Benjamin? Why are, and he goes, well, just to liven, liven this up with some conversation first. You want to talk politics? And, and he goes, God, no. And he goes, well, you want to talk about art? And she says, I'm not interested in art. So he goes, well, we're going to have a conversation. And somehow the husband comes up and, you know, what does your husband think you're doing between midnight and noon the next day? And she said, well, he doesn't know we have separate bedrooms. It's this is all in the dark and you hear you just hear ice cubes in her. Well, here in her glass. There we go. And so he goes, oh, my gosh, well, how long? So this is the first time you've seen any animation out of Benjamin. Like, he just wanted to have a conversation. And she goes, well, why did you marry him? <laughs> She's At this point, there is light in the room. And this, it has to be 12-carat diamond on her finger. It's she goes, huge. why, why do you think, think? Anne Bancroft has a really, she has skinny arms for how much jewelry this woman wears <laughs> on them. I would think that she would have more muscles just from having to lift her arms up with all of these goo gobs hanging off her. So she said, well, actually, we had to get married. And he said, oh, my God, you got pregnant? Oh well, God, no, he so wasn't that quick to pick it up. She says it pro probably two times before that. Like, well, we had to get married. And he doesn't. I mean, as soon as she says we had to get married, I'm like, ah, oh, she got knocked up. But he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it until about the third mention. And then he's like, oh, his brain has been dulled over the last few weeks. Has it and been dulled she, or is he an idiot? Well, both. I mean, because oh. he's rich. So he went okay. to this school yeah. and he got this award. But couldn't he have also gotten the award because his dad donated money to the school? Yes. yes. I'm not completely. I'm up, upon this viewing. I am of the opinion that Benjamin is a creep. Not the sharpest tool in the shed. Not the sharpest tool in the shed. I was watching and I said, I do enjoy a Dustin Hoffman performance, but I do not like the character of Benjamin. Yeah, he's got nothing. Yeah. Well, I guess when everything's been handed to you, you got nothing. What? Okay. It's true, maybe, but anyways... Okay, so she goes, why are you asking me all these questions? 
And he goes, I just, I just want some conversation. What did you major in in school? And it took a long time. And finally, she said art, when before she said she had no interest in art. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, I guess you lost interest over the years. Now, this, the look on Anne Bancroft's face, I was like, man, I, what is that? What's going on in her mind right now? Because mm-hmm. she has this look and it something, it makes me say, no, she didn't lose interest in art. Art lost interest in her. Mm-hmm. In the form of a kid that she had to raise. And that's why she's an alcoholic now. And she settled for, she settled for this life. Oh, but, a woman. but Mrs. Robinson, in a way, I understand how you had these big dreams of being an artist, but when it all is said and done, you did pick correctly. Like, you could have settled and the guy be- was a schmuck, but you settled and at least the, you look at the life that he has provided for you. And why can't she have a studio out back? There's plenty of room. Yeah. There, do you know how many artists there are that are married to rich guys? In Los Angeles with their own art studio. That's right. I mean, the amount of art that's being produced. So then Ben wants to know where Elaine was conceived. <laughs> Which is kind of, I thought it's kind of weird, Ben. It's a little too much information. Yeah. Like, and no, he goes, in his car. And she goes, he goes, what kind of car? It was a Ford, Ben. It was a Ford. <laughs> that because didn't make me laugh. <laughs> she was like, it was Robinson a car. It was a- conceived in a Ford? Yeah, a Ford. At which point, her bit- bitchy witchiness comes out. She goes, do not talk about Elaine. Yeah, don't you, don't you put, Ooh. what? what is it? Don't, her, don't put her name in your mouth. Right. Who? Ooh, her, her, Feathers were ruffled. And Bancroft, as Mrs. Robinson, world-class side-eye. Perfection. I mean, it's up there with the Vivian Lee of side-eyes. Yeah. And she was darn near being violent. Don't you ever. Because he said, you know what? I might might just ask her out. I might go out on a date with her. She grabs his hair or something. Don't you ever. And he goes, I'm just, I'm just kidding. She says, good. I have my reasons. Now, what are her reasons? Well, we never knew. But he, then he starts with, oh, it's because I'm not good enough. See, he's thinking he's Jewish. And Is he Jewish? Because his parents are real waspy. His parents are pretty waspy, but Dustin Hoffman couldn't be more Jewish. Okay. No, that's the the weird thing. I'm just going with, okay, classism here. He's going, oh, I'm not good enough to even talk about her, am I? I'm good enough for you, but but not her, right? See, I didn't see it as classism because these people are both rich. To me, I, I was seeing it as, no, you're an idiot and you don't know what you're doing with your life. And I want my daughter to go out with someone who has a little bit more going for them. And that might have been where she was coming from. But that's not what he saw. Well, yeah, because so, he's an idiot. He yanks the sheet off of her because he's pissed and that's all he can handle. Mm. 
And she, uh, she very slowly puts the sheet back over her and says, yes, you're right. You're not good enough for her. Ooh, and he says, you go to hell. Then he has a tirade. Yeah, yeah. I'm not proud of this. You think I'm proud of spending my time with a broken down alcoholic? Oh, that was when the first time I said, oh, is she an alcoholic? I thought like. Oh, because she had told him before. She yeah. Was. And I didn't know that. I just thought what well, we've only seen her at the evening time and she's having a beverage. I, <gasps> and I she's never s- appeared to be out of control. Yeah, she's, she's never always, out of control. She's completely in control. And she looks fantastic. She can and always he, put her fake eyelashes on. So how drunk could she be? Uh, and he and she can still use a garter belt. Yeah. And he, and he goes, I'm not proud of this. Um, you, the only reason I come here is because of pure boredom. Oh. And he goes, I'm getting the hell out of here. And she goes, oh, I'm sick and disgusting. Is that what you think? So then he feels sorry for her. Mrs. Robinson, I'm sorry. He's standing with his hands in his pockets. I, I, and she goes, I just don't think you'd be good for each other. And she's putting her stockings on in a very seductive way. Well, it's from the poster. I have to read about that. Oh. Uh, Yeah, I said, it's the leg shot. Mm -hmm. And Benjamin's going, what are you doing? And she goes, it's pretty obvious you don't want me around anymore. And Benjamin becomes a little kid. I, I was kind of upset there. Um, I can understand why. Oh, she goes, I can understand why I'm disgusting to you. Uh, and he goes, look, I like you. Um, and she goes, uh, well, am I not sickening for you? And he, he says, "It truth be told, this is the one thing I have to look forward to. Um and he says, may I stay? And she says, yes. Oh, he says, she says, may I stay? And he says, yes, please, I want you to. And she goes, just promise me you won't take Elaine out. And he goes, all right, all right, thank you. Let's not talk about this anymore. Let's not talk at all. So she's undressing, seeing. Next scene is breakfast at home. Dad says for Ben to ask Elaine out. Now, remember, Mr. Robinson and Mr. Benjamin, Mr. Braddock, are partners. Yes. So, they're, yeah, they're part, so, the dad is, says, because Mr. Robinson has probably told Mr. Braddock, hey, Elaine's back in town, can you have, you know, your son you know, take her out and stuff. So that's why Mr. Braddock is so like, oh, you need to, you need to go take right. her out. You need to take her out. And Ben's just I like, mean, I don't want to. I mean, how perfect would this be? They're both partners. And then yeah. for the partner's siblings, I mean, kids to marry each other. I mean, that would create like something like crazy businessy. I guess. A dynasty, I'm guessing. Yeah. Dallas wow. Falcon Crest. So um, Benjamin's in the pool and dad's saying, what, what, she's not good enough for you? And he just sticks his head in the pool because he's tired of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Then his mom goes, then I guess I'll just have to invite all the Robinsons on Thursday night. So he he doesn't want to be spending time with. 
Mrs. Like, and Mr. Annie Yeah, so he 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 puts the kibosh on that. So he's trying to to not take her out, to uphold his promise. But his dad and his mom are just so persistent on it that finally he he has to acquiesce and because it's better than having the the whole family because he does not want mrs robinson over there he does worlds colliding right well the next scene is a doorbell and mr robinson opens the door and says it's about time so it's obvious he's there for elaine mrs robinson is out on that porch with that you know, fully stocked bar under a zebra throw. Yeah, smoking. I'm, not, I'm not mad at Mrs. Robinson's style. Um, smoking oh, and, and just staring at him. The side eyes. <gasps> oh my God. Daggers. Daggers just being shot at Benjamin. So he says, well, hello, Mrs. Robinson. And she just ignores him. Oh, she's so angry. You had one job, Benjamin. One job. True, everyone else was asking you a direct contradictory of what I was asking you, but still. See, I would have gone, stood up, and been like, see, Benjamin, this is why you are not good enough for my daughter. You had one job, and you couldn't figure (laughs) out a way to finagle out of it. This is why you are not good enough. And on the TV she's watching is the newlywed game. Which is hysterical. Okay, so Mr. Robinson says, um, I'm going to go see if Elaine is ready. That leaves Benjamin and Mrs. alone together. And he goes, look, this wasn't my idea. This was my father's idea. It was either that or a dinner party with, with everybody. And Mrs. Robinson said, I'm extremely upset about this. Oh, you know that she's angry. At which point Elaine shows up, and may we state... He ha- she has him at hello. Yeah, she's not ugly. His eyes are bugging out of his head. Which is weird because he saw the portrait. I know. And it was a good portrait. It looked exactly like her. Well, but I think portraitists, portraitators, are usually kind to their subjects. Oh, So now they're in the Alfa Romeo, and he is speeding out the wazoo. Yeah, and he's being very, she's trying to be, to ask questions, the small talk, and he doesn't want anything to do with her. He's got his sunglasses on, and he is not going to engage. Right. What are you going to do? Are you going to go to grad school? No. So then they're walking. They got to a club and they're walking and she can't keep up with him. He's walking so fast. Mm-hmm. It's nighttime. He still has his sunglasses on. They get to a club and it is a strip club. Yeah, but it, like the 1967 kind of place. It, she's quite uncomfortable. She has on her white double-breasted wool coat, not strip club attire. Yes. And the, they are seated in the very front row. Mm-hmm. And her back is to the stage. And he says, why don't you turn around and catch the show? And she says, do you dislike me for some reason? At which point a showgirl has on uh, tassels on mm-hmm. her pasties that she is able to twirl. Like a helicopter. 
like a helicopter. And she comes over and does it right over Elaine's head. <laughs> and Elaine is so embarrassed. She starts to cry. She starts to cry. And Benjamin looks up and sees her crying and he melts. Oh, he's like, hey, get away. And then people are like, you can't touch her. Because he, he was pushing back pushing, the helicopter. Pushing the pasties away. And like that's first, the first rule of the strip club is no touching. No touching. Like he would know. So he he takes her out as fast as he can. He's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She just says, take me home. Just take me home. And he goes, I just I just want to tell you one thing. Uh, my parents forced me into that. That's why I've been acting like this. Just please stop crying. Just please stop crying. And he kisses her. And she kisses him back, which was her first mistake. Yeah. Next scene, they're at a drive-in food place, like a Sonic, mm -hmm. and they're eating burgers. And Benjamin says, since I graduated, I've had com a compulsion to be rude all the time. Do you understand that? And she says, yes, I do. Me too. And he says, it's like I'm playing a game and, and I don't know the rules and nobody knows the rules. There aren't any rules. The rules don't make sense. So there's a car next to them with really loud music. And he politely asks them to turn their music down, at which point they laugh. <laughs> so he puts the hood up, uh, the, the top up and rolls up the window so that they can have conversation. Now, we can't hear what that conversation is, but we just see them talking and having a really nice time together. So they, uh, they're at the curb of the house, and Elaine says, if you come in, I'll make you some coffee. And Benjamin doesn't want to go in there. I mean, Mrs. Robinson is in there. So he says, you know, it's still early. Let's go someplace else. Uh, I wonder where there's a bar. And she said, I believe, <laughs> I believe the Taft Hotel has a bar. At which point he, he uh, runs the spider up over the curb. Yeah, that was funny. And so they get to the bar, they get to the Taft Hotel, and everyone is saying hello to him. Hello, hello Mr. Gladstone. Mr. Gladstone, so, hello, welcome. So glad to see you again, sir. Hello, hi, everyone. So she's going, how do they know you? And he's going, let's just leave here. Now, you know, we're here, let's just stay. And so um, he says, Elaine, I like you so much. You're the first thing I've liked in so long. My whole life has been a waste. I'll take you home now. This is, so this is the one date. They've only spent one the evening. Date. The evening, they, he drove, he, they, he went, he had her, the helicopter on the boobs, and then they went and ate burgers, and then they went to the Chaft Hotel, and everybody is saying they know this guy, but they call him Mr. Gladstone, and then he says, oh, I really like you. So it... What, six hours? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then she goes, you're having an affair, aren't you? Because she is a sharper tool in the shed than he is. You know, uh, my theory on Mrs. Robinson, she's like, Elaine is, a, is the sharpest tool in the shed. This guy, he's so dull, he doesn't even stay in the shed. Yeah, he is not worthy. So, um, he goes, well, yeah, it just happened. 
it happens along with everything else. And Elaine goes, well, is she married? And he says, yes. Does she have a family? Yes. And she goes, is it over now? And he says, yes. And Elaine says, I'm glad. So it's over. We're all good. He walks Elaine to her door. Benjamin, can we do something tomorrow? And she's like, he's like, yes, yes. Well, it's tomorrow. And it's raining cats and dogs in Southern California. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it, the rain will come down. Not very often, but it will rain like that. So Ben pulls up to the curb in the Alpha. And um, somebody's running to get in. And it's not Elaine. It's Mrs. Robinson. She gets in and she says, drive and do exactly what I said. And she looks terrifying wet. <laughs> You cannot see Elaine ever. I can make things quite unpleasant for you. I am prepared to tell Elaine everything. And he says, I don't believe you. And she says, try me. Time out. I have a practical question. Don't you think that that alpha would have leaked like crazy? What are you saying about alphas, Erin? I'm just saying. <laughs> I was I saw that rain coming down and I'm like, really? It's keeping all the water out. And and that door is gonna close in the rain? I'm really? Like, She's not gonna have to yeah. hold on to the handle as she goes around the corner. Really? Everything in this car is fully functional. <laughs> really? As Herr Frenzel said, when we looked out our windows at, at across to the gas station where there was a an Alfa Romeo, and Poppy said, oh, look, Herr Frenzel said, it's a rocket, but it's a rust bucket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we ended up with the rocket. But anyway. But it's a rocket. <laughs> it was a rocket. So uh, he gets out, and he's running into the house, the Robinson house. Is he? Does he have donuts? What does he? What is he carrying? Look, it was some sort of food box. He, it was a food bag or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And um, he's running up the steps to Elaine, and she's going, "I'm not dressed." <laughs> <laughs> and she, he goes, "Elaine, I have something I have to tell you." And so the door is cracked. There's Dustin's face in the crack, talking to Elaine, and behind him is Mrs. Robinson. Now, again, Mrs. Robinson is drenched from head to toe. And she it's, is a frightening presence. It is not a good look for Mrs. R. I don't, I don't think her mascara is running, but it doesn't have to because I believe her teeth are now actually sharp. Yeah. There, yeah. Just, there's a lot of angles going on in her face right now. So he goes, that woman, that woman we were talking about, it wasn't just anybody. And then she cuts to her mother and she puts it together because, again, yeah, yeah. she's smart as opposed to Benjamin. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. And she screams, get out. out. And Mrs. Robinson says, goodbye, Benjamin. <laughs> so he's back in his bedroom looking at his aquarium. But he becomes a stalker. He yeah. starts stalking Elaine. And um, he sees her packing up to go off to college. And 
Elaine won't even look at Mrs. Robinson. She won't say goodbye to her mother. She's just out of there. Well, at this point, um, Benjamin says to his parents, I'm going to marry Elaine Robinson. Oh, and they're ecstatic. They are over the moon. And uh, he says, I'm going to Berkeley tomorrow. And uh, um, I decided this about an hour ago. Well, no, because the dad picks up the phone. He's going to call them and tell them. Time for another party. Yeah. But the mom kind of asks questions. And and so it comes out that um, Elaine doesn't know yet. Um, and that's and so he's going to Berkeley to tell her mm-hmm. that she's going to marry him, mm-hmm. and um, and they say, "Are you completely baked?" And he <laughs> says, "Completely baked, I am," because the truth is, she doesn't like me. Yeah. So you see him driving. At, at which, which point, point are you thinking? Where's the 1967 version of Keith Morrison? Because this is a dateline. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then uh, Scarborough Fair is playing Simon and Garfunkel. Remember oh, me yes. to one who lives there. She <laughs> once was a true love of mine. <laughs> to me, that sounded really good. I'm going to be horrified at the playback. He's walking on campus. We hear the Simon and Garfunkel soundtrack. Are you still laughing? I am. Because you went so low. Went I'm so channeling low. Mrs. Robinson. You. Or Luann from the Real Housewives of New York City. Uh, he sees her and she's walking with others and he runs. So he goes to rent a room because he realizes he can't just go up to her and say we're getting married. Who does he rent the room from? Mr. Mr. Roper. Mr. Roper. I said his company. Mr. Roper has been in the landlord business a long, long time. <laughs> long time. It was it was meant to be, man, Mr. Um, Roper, and and Mr. Roper is as skeptical of him as he was of Jack, Jack Tripper. Tripper. Okay, so um, he's stalking her at Berkeley. She gets on a bus, and he's running next to the bus, and she looks and sees him and turns him <sighs> back, but She's the bus like, oh stops God, for him. Gosh. Well, no, the bus doesn't stop for him. He runs to the next bus stop because he's because a track he was athlete. A track star. Right. And I guess that's something with track. Like, once a track athlete, <laughs> always a track athlete. You can be doing absolutely nothing for years on end, but as soon as you need to race somebody, it just kicks in like nothing. Able to track down your just able to your Cadillac them. in bare feet, and <laughs> jumping over fences and stuff like it's nothing. Doesn't boxer even... shorts. I swear, hamstrings fully intact. Just what? Yeah. So he gets on and he sits behind her. She's sitting next to a woman of a certain age. He's sitting next to a man of a certain age, but he's still talking to her. And it's obvious she doesn't want to talk to him. It's uncomfortable in these current in the current climate yeah because it would be time to call 911 i i if this i wonder if this happened now if somebody wouldn't just say hey buddy she leave this woman alone i would hope so but i don't know the, the rules on buses are who knows well she says i'm gonna meet somebody at the zoo and he's just sure that's bullshit 
she's just trying to get. And he says, I, I think I'm right out there with you. And she says, what are you doing here? And he says, I sit in on a few classes, but he's not registered. And so um, let's get together and, and talk this all out. And she says, I'm meeting Carl Smith. And Carl Smith is at the zoo with his suit and his pipe. <laughs> Carl Smith has his shit together. I believe Carl Smith is probably a third or fourth. Yes. He comes from money. <gasps> money, 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 money. She, yeah. Well, so she could repeat what her... Anyway, Ben is looking at the monkeys at the zoo. Mm-hmm. Well, scene. She shows up at his apartment. Uh, she shows up at his apartment. Elaine, what are you doing? I'm here because uh, I'm here. Yes. Mm. I don't know what that meant. No. Um, no. And he says, "Look, I love you." And she goes, "How could you rape my mother?" Oh, what? <laughs> oh, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, she went there. She went in full self-defense flex mode. She sure did. And he explains what really happened. And she screams because she doesn't want to hear it. And I mean, she does a full out I, monster movie it, scream. It made me. I, wa- I was concerned that somebody was going to knock on my door. I said, at which my word, the super comes up Mr. and Roper. does knock on the door uh-huh. and he says, what's going on? And there are um, some other guys behind him. Because I guess in the what, 60s, that was like a, where all, only boys lived. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't co-ed. And the, the, the guy who said, hey, Mr. Roper, should I call the cops? You know who that was? No. Richard Dreyfus. No way! It was. It was. Oh, wow! And the super says, I want you out of here. And he goes, but look, but look. And he opens the door and she's just sitting there drinking a glass of water. Like, everything's okay. Uh, Mr. Roper's like, mm, nah. Mm. This is, this is, I don't this like is not you. okay. I didn't like you from the first time that I met you. I want you out of my place. But he doesn't go. And she says, I'm sorry I screamed, but what did you think was going to happen between us? And he says, he says, I don't feel like talking. He was Mr. Shatterbox yeah. when it was with Mrs. Now Robinson. all of a sudden he doesn't have a place to live and he doesn't feel like talking. And so she just wants to sit there a while and get herself together. So she gets up to leave and he goes, I don't want you. Oh, she says to him, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go anywhere until we have a definite plan. And he watches her on the street. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, the, the door is open. And I have a sleep, wakes up to, oh, he's asleep. He wakes up to Eileen in his, Elaine in his apartment and she says, will you kiss me? She wants to see what she's missing out on. Yeah, I'm like, wait a second, Elaine. You just yeah. thought that the guy, this guy raped your mom. Yeah. And now you broke and he, into his and apartment. And he's definitely had sex with your mom. He definitely. And 
but and you've only hung out with him once. Yeah. And like, he came like, at most to, a six hour date. And he came up and like stalked you. And they have a sensitive, sensual kiss. And he says, will you marry me? And she says, I don't know. He goes, but you might. You might. And she says, yes. She goes, I don't know what's happening. I don't see how we can. And I have to go right now, but I'll think about it. So he has hope. She's given hope to the stalker. And so he sees her and he says, we can go get our blood tests today. And she goes, I don't think it's going to work. And so he stands at her class door and he waits there the entire class time. And he's there when she comes out of class. And then they're watching a girls basketball game. And she goes, I have to see Carl. I said I might marry him. And so then he's starting to ask her about Carl. And evidently there was an engagement question with Carl. So Elaine and Benjamin are walking. And he goes, we can get married tomorrow or the day after. And she goes, or maybe, maybe not. And they kiss. So then somebody is whistling the Mrs. Robinson song while he goes and buys a ring. And he runs up to his room. And who's in his room? Mr. Robinson. Dun, dun, dun. And he says, I want nothing to do with you. I don't resent or respect you. Uh, he says to Mr. Robinson. And Mr. Robinson said, there are consequences to what you did. I'm getting a divorce. What? And Benjamin said, it didn't mean anything. And... But didn't you think that Mr. Robinson was also having affairs? Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. That's called a double standard. Of oh. course he was. That was just a known in 1967. I see. Yeah. I see. It was okay for him, but it was not okay for her. I got it. Yeah. So um, Benjamin said, I don't love your wife. I love your daughter. And Mr. Robinson said, I made damn sure Elaine will never see you again. <laughs> Did you kill her, Mr. Robinson? No, please say you didn't. Don't do the honor killing thing. You are filth. You are scum. You are a degenerate. Oh, my. At, at which point, see, so Mr. Robinson has gone and talked to Elaine and said, this is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So Ben needs a dime. Because it costs a dime to make a phone call back in the day. So he tries to find Elaine. Elaine has left school. But her roommate has a message for him. And do you know who the roommate is? No, who was it? It was Elaine May. Was Elaine May? From Nichols and May. Oh, Mike Nichols. Yeah, Elaine May. I didn't know. That's why I told I you. I read that, but I didn't know who Elaine May was. Is that why Elaine's name is Elaine? I think Elaine's name is Elaine because it was Elaine in the book. Okay, the note says, Dear Ben, please forgive me. I know what I'm doing is the best thing for you. My father is so upset. You've got to understand. I love you, but it won't. It would never work. They had a six-hour date. Yeah. He slept with her mother. 
and came up and stalked her and continued to stalk her and pressure her into a marriage every day. He has no future. He has no job. He has no job prospects. But he does come from money. He looks at an aquarium and floats in a pool. Yeah. And he he comes from money. So he is racing home in his alpha. Zim zoom. He's climbing the fence at the Robinson house. He slides the porch door open, which is why Mrs. Robinson needed him to come in in the first place, because they don't lock their damn door. Yes! Are you... See? It all comes back around. This all started because Mrs. Robinson knew of the potential. Well, that... There, there is the flaw in the everybody lock your doors and lock your do- double lock them, triple lock them. Your daughter's boyfriend won't sleep with you if the doors are locked. This will not be an issue. He's shouting Elaine all the way up the steps, and Mrs. Robinson says hello, Benjamin. Hello, Benjamin. While she is on the phone calling the police. Yes. There is and an the police ask her, is the intruder armed? And she says, Benjamin, are you armed? That would be no. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't believe you are. And she goes, I'm so sorry, Benjamin. We won't be able to invite you to the wedding. The wedding? At which point the police arrive and... He says, I'll find her. And Mrs. Robinson says, I don't think so. Yeah, so he So Elaine is going to fall into the same trap her mother fell into. She's going to get married for the convenience and the the stability of a lot of money. (sighs) Poor Elaine. (laughs) And? (laughs) And see. He's back in the Alpha. He's crossing the Golden Gate Bridge. He runs into the frat house where I thought it was Gary Busey. Well, wait, wait a second. This, hold on a second. So he's in Berkeley. He comes back. He drives back, goes right. to the Robinsons, says, where is she? Then he so, leaves. It goes all the way back to Berkeley. Well, he's going back to the hometown of Carl Smith. Oh, it's before the Internet. I don't know how he found out the hometown. Well, actually, yeah, he goes to Carl Smith's frat house to find out where he lives. So he drove all the way back up there. Yeah, it's a hard drive in an Alfa Romeo. And they find out. It's like a seven hour drive. Aaron, you're bringing reality into the script. I'm just like at this point, my eyes were getting heavy. So this is okay. just well, questions he is, that I he is stalking, smitten stalking. So he has to drive to Santa Barbara now. How how long is that? Well, Santa Barbara is north of California, so I guess it would be on his drive back. North of California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's north of Northern Los Angeles. California. It's okay. It's probably like a. It's closer to Southern California than Northern California, but it's. Like, you know, kind of in the middle, but not really. Well, he's back in the Alpha. Okay. He stops at a gas station to use the phone, and the guy goes, it's a a dial phone. And he's calling uh, to find out where 
the wedding is taking place. And he finds out the church. It's the first Presbyterian church on Allen Street. They had to be Presbyterian. I mean, yeah. wasp. He races wasp, to the right, church. Right, Ma? Wasp. <laughs> Hello? At which point, he runs out of gas. So, track skills are back in action. Boy, his arms and legs were pumping. Yeah, he was running. He tries the church's front doors. They are locked. So, he has to run upstairs. And there's there's glass, like maybe we're in the, um, the upstairs of the church. And there's plexiglass. And he's banging on the glass because he sees her getting married. They're, they're at the altar. <coughs> and they're kissing, which means they've already said their vows to each other. Oh, I didn't oh. know that. I wondered at what point of the marriage is this? Had they not gotten married yet? Well, if they're kissing, they have been pronounced man and wife. But aren't you, like, that's under the eyes of God, but under the eyes of the law, <coughs> don't you have to, like, sign something? Yeah, I'll bet the marriage certificate hasn't been signed by the witnesses yet. Jeez. Do excuse me. So, um, he's pounding on the glass, screaming, Elaine, Elaine. And she turns around, and she starts walking toward him. And she screams, Ben! And he runs down the steps. And they, and Mrs. Um, Robinson tries to stop Elaine. And she says to Elaine, it's too late. And Elaine says, not for me. Oh, snap. And they run off together. They catch a bus. Oh, well, wait, you, the- you missed the part where there's the melee and, and Benjamin takes the cross down and, like, uses it to keep everyone away like it's fire. Oh, I didn't see and then he And then when they get out of the doors, he turns and uses the cross to bolt the doors. Oh, only a Jewish person could get away with that. I Okay. Not really, but okay. <laughs> so they run off together. They're in the back of the bus, and they're smiling until... She's not. At the very end, she's kind of looking like. Well, he's not either. They're both. Did I just do? (laughs) They both are just kind of like like they're smiling at first, like it was great, Ah." and then they it pretty much it ends the way that it began. How it was a close on Benjamin, and you reveal that he's sitting among he's isolated, but he's sitting amongst all these people, and then it took like a close on them, and they're isolated, sitting amongst all these people. The end. That's the graduate. The graduate. It was good to see with, um, you know, older eyes. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I just, I thought he was, he came across, seeing it older, I have way more sympathy for Mrs. Robinson. Because, I mean, it is, like, yeah, but he's 21, so it's not like... It is like, uh, she probably shouldn't do it, but... He's you know, an adult. He's an adult. He's graduated from college. Yeah, so. she made a poor choice, but you know, she makes poor choices. That's what that's kind of her thing. That's obviously. her thing, yeah. Um, and she deals with it with alcohol and bad decisions. Yeah. And, you know, like, she's going to be fine. Mrs. Mrs. Robinson's going to be fine. She's going to be taken care of. Um, He, Benjamin, I just thought it was just... A, just a real whiny creep. 
Um, yeah. Elaine, th- that's the thing about this movie. I really didn't like any of the characters in it. I like the characters I enjoy the most is probably Mrs. Robinson, but that was just because of the great side eye and just how jaded she was with the world. Yeah. I just enjoyed Elaine. Obviously, she's smart, but she's yet so smart freaking enough. dumb. Yeah, really, this guy. Yeah. I just want to do again. Does your place you, not have a mirror? Do you not see what you look like? You, you were on a six-hour date with him. He slept with your mother. The the very first place that he took you was to a strip joint. Yeah, and then burgers. Yeah, and then it was like burgers, and you guys bonded because you yeah you had you're both like yeah we don't really know what we're doing with our life yeah. 1967 is crazy. Yeah, guess what? 1968 is going to get even crazier, people. So, (laughs) like all your little angsty angstness, it's it's about to get a lot worse for you people. And and guess what? It doesn't let up. So just... (laughs) It doesn't let up. Oh, my God. Wait till 2000. You're not going to believe what happens. So, yeah. Guess what? You're, you're not. You're all sitting there. You're like, I don't want this life. I don't want your life. Blah, blah, blah. And you want to have your whole counterculture and all that stuff. And like, oh, we, we he's like plastics. And you're like, I don't want your life. I want something different. And you're going to be saying how you want something different. And then guess what? In 50 years, turns out that you, you really screwed up, guys. Because yeah. <laughs> social security. Security isn't social security anymore. Yeah, it's a federal benefit, motherfuckers. Y'all really screwed the pooch. So right. as someone who comes in the generation after, thanks guys. Watching all these films from like the sixties <laughs> and stuff with your flower power and your man, peace, love, and happiness, man, and all that. I'm just like, really, guys? Cause cause from what I see, the real movie that that Man, if I may be so blunt, that took hold was when Michael Douglas said greed is good. And yeah, turns out and that that's, that that's just what really took on that generation. And so thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Anyway. They learned digging their own latrines wasn't that fun. <laughs> okay, trivia. You know when he grabs your boob and he goes and knocks his head against the wall? It was real. It was all improv. Yeah, and Mike Nichols was laugh started laughing so hard that Dustin Hoffman started laughing, and he had that's why he turned and walked away because he was laughing and he's hitting his head to try to keep him from laughing, which shows who the real MVP of the scene is. That's right, one Anne Bancroft who did not break character. How did she not laugh? You know, you know why she didn't laugh because she was married to Mel Brooks and she maybe. Maybe the greatest straight person ever. Yeah. Maybe, like sneaky, yeah. like sneaky, just gonna slide that in there. Yeah. The practice that she probably had, you know, Mel Brooks, he's crazy, and she was probably the greatest straight woman ever. So she just went with it. She went with it. Man, bankrupt. And the age difference between Dustin Hoffman and. And Bancroft was six years. Oh, my. It gets deeper than that. So Dustin Hoffman was 29. <coughs> William Daniels, who played his father, was 39. Yeah. Anne Bancroft, who was Mrs. Robinson, was 35. 35. 
maybe 35, maybe 36. I don't know. <coughs> I read me. some places where it was 36, somewhere it's 35. Catherine Ross, who was Anne Bancroft's daughter, was 27. Yeah. And Elaine May, who was the roommate that we, uh, the aforementioned, she was 35. She was seven months younger than Anne Bancroft. Wow. And, okay, <clears throat> there are so many actresses considered for really every role. I wrote that down. I wrote down, yeah. But I want, <laughs> I'll let you get into the list, but this was what I thought was funny because remember how, like, we drooled over Ava Gardner. Yeah. The killers. We went on a long time about her. <laughs> we did. She wanted the role of Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. She called up Mike Nichols and said, hey, I want this role. And Mike Nichols, he wanted a younger woman to play <laughs> Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. She and Ava Gardner was 45 at the time. <laughs> she she would have been perfect. She would have been so perfect. She would have. And, <laughs> and it was like, no, you got, uh, we're going to go with Anne Bancroft. She's 35. And yeah. Natalie Wood turned down the roles of, she was offered both Mrs. Robinson and Elaine. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. I knew I knew she wanted Elaine. <coughs> All right. Wow. Do you want to go into the the other actors and actresses? Okay. I have here Sally Field wanted tested for Elaine. Natalie Wood wanted to be her. Doris Day and Patricia Neal wanted to be Mrs. Robinson. Well, no. As well as Joan Crawford, Lauren Bacall, Angela Lansbury. Audrey Hepburn. For Mrs. Robinson or Elaine? Mrs. Robinson. Oh, well, no. Mike Nichols' dream cast <coughs> was Doris Day for Mrs. Robinson. She could not, no. But she turned it work. down because of the nudity. She turned it down. Yeah, she was too nice. And for Benjamin, he wanted Robert Redford. <laughs> Robert Redford wasn't enough of an underdog. Yeah. yeah. And then Mike Nichols met with him and said, um, yeah, I don't think that you're right for the role. And Redford, being Redford, was like, why not? I'm Robert Redford. And Mike <laughs> Nichols said, well, have you ever had, have you ever struck out with a girl? And Robert Redford said, what do you mean? <laughs> what does, I Excuse, I don't understand I don't, that like, terminology. I, under, I understand like the words that you are saying individually, but when you string them together in that way, have you ever struck out with a girl that doesn't, I'm sorry, it's just blank in my head. And Mike Nichols says, that's exactly what I'm talking about, man. You don't, you don't know what that's like. So no, you're too good looking. Cause if that was the case, I would have told like, <laughs> I would have just been, yeah, of course, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Elaine is going to marry him. Yeah. There, there isn't going to be a There's Carl no Smith. tension in this in this film. Exactly. Uh, the leg in the ad, you know, there's the leg and then you see Dustin Hoffman in the distance. Mm -hmm. That wasn't Anne Bancroft's leg. What? No. It was the leg of Linda Gray. Linda Gray? Yeah. Who later became... 
like a soap opera, like primetime soap star or something. Uh, uh, she was on Dallas. Uh, she was I JR's wife on Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen. Yeah. Ewing. Yeah. Wow. Well, what was wrong with Anne Bancroft's leg? Nothing with the, what we saw. Huh. <clears throat> All right. Um, they, uh, the song Mrs. Robinson was originally Mrs. Roosevelt. Uh, Eleanor? Yeah, it wasn't written for this. For this, it, he had written it before and then adapted it. It kind of, because that was always been, I like the song, but that's always been a qualm of mine listening to the lyrics. Yeah. I'm always, it, it never really meshed. It does make more sense when it's Here's to You, Mrs. Roosevelt. All of the Jungle Prince, all of those were like, she was the tiger in the jungle. Remember all those ferns and stuff in their house? Oh. She was the tiger and and he was walking into the jungle. They had some could be questionable alcohol containers. They, yes. they have like it said bourbon and scotch on them and I couldn't really tell what they were and I was I said uh 2018 I I'm going to label those as questionable. Also, the POC count there were people of color in the strip club. <laughs> oh, were there? <laughs> there were a couple guys. Oh. I was like, ah, of course. There they are. Okay. Okay. Other than that, no, there's nothing. Yeah. It's a pretty white movie. And then there were so many glass barriers, like the glass of his mask, the glass of the aquarium, the glass between him and Elaine at the wedding. That was all symbolizing how people are cut off from each other. Oh. Oh. Now, Dustin Hoffman was only paid like 17000 only $17,000 for this. After this came out, he still was on unemployment checks until what was his next movie? I don't know. I know he was in Little Big Man. No. And Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy. Oh. Midnight Cowboy was actually his breakthrough film. Oh. He didn't get a lot of work after this because wasn't this kind of a hit? Yeah, it was. Well, I guess, you know, in between it being made and then it coming out. I had heard that at the time that it came out that the, it got some negative reviews and they were anti-Semitic. The negative yeah. reviews. Uh-huh. Well, the Alpha, <coughs> excuse me, was a 1966 Alfa Romeo Spider 1600. Oh, and in 1985, Alfa Romeo Graduate came out and it recalled the version of the spider used in the movie and it was in production until 1990. Outstanding. We did not have a spider. We had a sprint veloose. That's what it was? Mm-hmm. Oh, I just thought it was alpha. Uh, I also had that Anne Margaret and Jane Fonda were interested in playing Elaine. Oh, interesting. Um... And at the time, this was the third all-time box office hit after Gone with the Wind and Sound of Music. Wow, so everyone went to see this. And at this time, it's still number 18 of the top box office hits. 
1998, when AFI came out with their 100 films, this was listed as number seven. But then when AFI revised the list in 2007, it was number 17. Uh-huh. Okay. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, and Best Director, which Mike Nichols won. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some really good, I mean, the shot of him jumping onto the float, jumping onto Mrs. Robinson, then being back on the float, that was cool. Yes. I'm trying to see what other... Oh, because also Warren Beatty was considered for it, but he was doing Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, Again, you needed yeah. somebody kind of doofusy. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah. Would have been a totally Beatty. different movie. Unbelievable. Well, that's all my trivia, but I did enjoy it. And I do suggest people watch it again, because I'll bet people who saw it back in the day have not watched it again. Yeah, prob- probably. It's, it's, it is, it doesn't age as well as some of the other films that we've seen, but it is, it is definitely one to watch. Like the cinematography, the cuts, the the way that the music was used. Mm-hmm. It's all stuff that now we take for granted. But at the time, 1967, this would have been like, whoa. It would have mm-hmm. been like Pulp Fiction. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. this, what is this cinematic language that they're using? Dude, our minds are blown. True. All right. Well. Well. That concludes our season of Gone with the Bushes. Our season is coming to an end. There yeah. is an end to us. <laughs> we will be back in mid-July. <laughs> we have a few vacations coming up. Yeah, we're going to be out of commission for a few weeks. So, I mean, don't get all upset. We know you haven't listened to all 36 of these. That's right. You can go back and check on those peep toe pumps. Yeah. There there are movies like you probably didn't listen to a Star is Born because you're like, yeah, Star is Born. And then you hear uh-huh. like, oh, the Star is Born trailer came out. And so now you can listen to what we said about Star is Born. And hopefully this one is not the snooze fest that the Judy Garland one was. Although. James Mason. Yeah. I wish I wish that I wish that Brady Bradley Cooper was doing a James Mason with his voice. But I feel like he's gonna do like a southern thing. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It is. So I so part of it was filmed at Coachella. Yes. Did not realize that. Yeah. Bradley Cooper was really singing? Um, I hey, I guess so. I don't know. This movie will either be <laughs> decent or a train wreck yeah yeah there's no in between with the star is born yep so because remember there was a star is born before the judy garland one. yeah and that was so before the fourth remake. But yeah there was the that one and then there was the judy garland one and then there was the babs Barbers. one and right. then there's this one so what could go wrong <laughs> they've only done the they've only done the move tried it four times 
So we don't know what we will be doing when we come back from vacation. Is that what I'm hearing? You know what? No, our options are open. So if you want to reach Ooh. out to Ma to to uh, if you've got some suggestions, things that you want to hear about. We'd love to hear from our listeners. She would love to hear from you all. <laughs> and she will tell I would, me. Because I like people. Ah, I'm a, I'm a little out hey, of She's a... I can take her leave. She can take her leave. I can take her leave. So you guys have a have a great summer, and we'll see you back midsummer. Remember, sunscreen, people. Sunscreen. I bought a lot of seventy for you this year. That's what I like. I like it like that. I know you do. She'll still get darker than me. I'll get burnt to a crisp, but you don't get burnt. No, I mean I'll. I mean that's what like You'll, I'll get toasted. I'll like broiler. Like I'll get golden. Over. Yeah, you know. Evidently, our teeny has had the first sunburn of the season. It's like in the Polar <clears throat> Express. The first sunburn of the, the season. season. <laughs> okay, listeners. All right. Well, bye. Bye.